Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy Dylan Shore, and we are going to talk about Boys on the Side. Uh, Dylan, what are Boys on the Side of? Boys on the Side is the 95 comedy drama. That's right. Uh, with Whoopi Goldberg, Mary Louise Parker, Andrew Barrymore. Uh, written by Don Roos and directed by Herbert Ross. <laughs> what? Let's get into Don Roos when we circle back around to it. But uh, Absolutely. before we do, you want to talk about anything else? What are you watching? Yes, sir. I watched, uh, <clears throat> I did two rewatches and one newish one that I haven't seen. All right, so what I rewatched the Mike Nichols 90s film Wolf with oh. Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Uh, I fucking love that movie so much, and I don't know why, because it's not that good. <laughs> we should, you know what, next Halloween we should talk Wolf, because I watched it last Halloween and had a similar, like, I'm perplexed by this, but I, I want more of it, I think. Yeah, he's, like, genuinely trying not to make a werewolf movie, but, like... It's so fascinating for some reason. I don't get it. I don't get it. And then when he does start to turn into a wolf, it's like not shot very well. <laughs> it's yeah. like very, he's not making a horror movie though, which is so fucking weird. It's it's like dramatic and uh, melodramatic at the same time. It's just an odd mix of a movie. I mean, the metaphor is right there. You know, it's it's easy pickings. And yeah. it's a strong move for like a, a kind of social satire filmmaker, right? Like Nichols, who can balance that humor and the, I don't, not pathos, but sort of like outrage about the world that we live in, right? Uh -huh. Although there's plenty of pathos in his work and sort of laconic, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, this it, it felt like so 90s where it's like, no, we have to have the set pieces in there. And he was like, all right, fine, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that was the first one. And then I rewatched Roar, the uh, film from the 70s. Oh, the lion that lion Meg Ryan or whatever. Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Sorry, Meg Ryan. And Tippi Hedren. Yeah. Her, her real mom. Like it's, and her stepdad is the one that owned all these lions and tigers, and he directed this movie. And Jan de Bont was the director of photography on it and he got half of his skull taken off and came back two weeks later to finish the movie and that's why he's my favorite filmmaker yeah <laughs> and Melanie Griffith too like <clears throat> she even said like the I grew up with these animals like we I would sleep in the same bed with them <clears throat> but while shooting one scene where it's supposed to look like uh the lion is like attacking her it's got like its paws on her face Jesus. she like it, everything was going perfectly normal but she just fucked up and leaned it too far forward and the claws drug into her face and ripped off a good chunk of her face she was like 17 years old i think it's one of the craziest stories in cinema history yeah yeah, yeah. and i still have not seen it so i i gotta <laughs> give this movie a watch absolutely it's totally worth a watch it just sounds like an experience it is absolutely and then the last thing i watched was <laughs> hear me out on this okay <laughs> i'm listening so, i love the hostile movies hostile part one okay. part two 
uh i love that gore shit like if it's done right like i think eli roth does it actually really right most of the time uh so i watched hostile part three which eli roth has nothing to do with okay but i was like huh i kind of want to watch this and so i put it on um it's really good like what the fuck i was so impressed it's a straight to dvd horror movie it's got kit pardue in it it's got a couple of other people uh um chris coy i think his name is and genuinely threw me some twists like i was not expecting it at all it's not as bloody as the other ones are but it still has like a couple of you know good gore scenes um i can't recommend it enough i want to buy it and it's like a 50 dollars (laughs) dvd that's a bummer um go for it i guess yeah i I, know right extra money get it (laughs) yeah yeah i'm not a huge eli roth fan most of yeah i'm not i'm not i have very little patience for torture porn and uh, so you don't I, like cabin fever or anything um cabin fever that is, was eli roth's first one is that the butt worms thing or am i thinking no, of dream catcher that's dream catcher i know oh. i've seen cabin fever though who's in cabin fever uh writer strong the guy that played sean yeah. on boy meets world yeah uh, a couple of other people you would recognize too but uh yeah it's like more about like a disease that gets into like the water and it starts like their skin literally just starts to peel off and there's a scene where like a girl is shaving her legs and her skin just starts to like shave off yes i've definitely seen this movie (laughs) yeah it's it's been a long time since i've been back over any of his work though so, um, but uh, I think I think you would like Hostel Part Three. The fact like, that I, you're saying it tones down the violence yeah. is I'm actually a little more into. Yeah, like you you get like there's one scene where a character like they're cutting his face off and like you see like the stretching like oh that looks so cool but then they'll cut away real quick and come back a little later once like it's all gone <laughs> and then you can see like the full makeup effect. Sure. I do love yeah. makeup effects, so I'll get oh, behind dude. that. But I was all about Hostel Part Three. I cannot stop talking about it. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> right. Hostel Part Three just shot to the top of my list. Boom! How yeah. about you? What did you watch? I got a handful I want to talk about, man. Ooh, let's um, do it. Let's do it. I've been working through some 2021 films, so I Aren't caught they? up with. Actually, you know what? Let's start with uh, one that you mentioned last week. I caught up with Those Who Wish Me Dead. Great. And I just realized I forgot to mention one. Oh, okay. Go, I why don't you go ahead. Last... We'll circle back. Okay. Because we talked about it last week. All right. Alien versus Predator Requiem. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't watch it. Fuck. You didn't watch it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm making a note right now. Let's talk about it next week. Okay. Okay. I'll make a note about it next week, too. <laughs> okay okay all right uh, so go ahead tell yours so mine was those who wish me dead you were yes. you weren't real high on this one right you're kind of um i mean it killed an hour and 40 minutes for me i didn't think it was anything special like my favorite part of the story was john barenthal's wife she's uh, great she's great best part of the whole story john barenthal was was good too but like i just found a lot of it completely unnecessary 
the bad guys starting the fire just as a distraction but then it the the movie doesn't become about the fire like i don't know it, it does i guess it just didn't really work for me hmm. i, I, I really like more than film. you did i was i was much more positive on it um i i like john barenthal but i tend to i saw somebody tweet out that john barenthal is a leading man and i'm not an insane internet troll so i didn't respond to this tweet but mm. i strongly disagree and i really like john barenthal i'm telling you i think he's a great support and an interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of character yeah. guy but i don't know if he can carry a movie and he doesn't have to carry this movie so that's not the point of this thing he's fine here he's good here but his wife is like you said i think she's a performance in the movie i think angelina jolie is maybe the biggest problem with the movie yeah, she just doesn't deliver anything special. And she's doing such a movie star thing that, like, mm -hmm. I found myself distracted by her makeup even, where it was like, you, I don't know that that character wears this makeup, but I'm, I'm not that character. I can't make that judgment. But yeah. then as the movie wore on and everybody's getting bloodier and ashier, the makeup is still underneath all right. her ashes. It, like, doesn't smudge at all. It was very, very strange to me. And I, I found her a little, like, kind of movie star looking in a movie that demands her to be a little more toned down but what mm. i really dug about it is that it feels like a 90s thriller you know what it kind of reminded me of was the river wild which is like which we're doing in i think a month or two all right well, uh, so we'll yeah. talk about it then yeah but again river wild not a great movie but no. it's fucking awesome <laughs> I, I, that's kind of where i land on this thing where it's like no it's not a great movie Kind of fucking awesome. But the thing where River Wild succeeds is that they have their actors doing these stunts in a fucking raft. Like the CGI of the fire and a lot of that just, I don't know. It's like for the modern day that we're in, did not look the best. Yeah, that's fair. I And it's a sad statement yeah. about and the like, industry. I'm honestly not like truly hating on it. Like I, I didn't think it was like a fucking like a that's one of the worst movies ever <laughs> it's just I, I know that filmmaker can be such a better filmmaker than that yeah and a way better writer than that yeah i was a little surprised to see the uh the uh, taylor sheridan is that right tyler sheridan? Yeah, taylor sheridan um i was a little surprised to see that pop up at the end of it because i was like oh this feels like a movie that was written by blank and blank and blank and blank no yeah, ampersands in the mix <laughs> yeah Anyways, I, I enjoyed my time with it. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, the movies that I enjoyed more than other people seem to have. Have you caught up with Cruella? I have not, just because I don't care to go see it in theater. I'm going to watch it, but I'm just waiting for them to put it on Disney Plus for free. Fair enough. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's a spectacle, though. I mean, it'd be worth seeing in, in theaters. The, it maximizes the screen space for sure. Yeah, I've heard it's actually a very quick moving film for how long it is, but I've also heard that the needle drops in the movie are like every two seconds. I like them. You like them all? I, everyone I've heard talk about it hate, like that's the one thing they really hated was just all the music drops that were in there. They said it felt like Suicide Squad. Okay, it's that's fair. It's certainly bordering on that. But the needle drops are the best part of Suicide Squad, so... <laughs> <laughs> Only like, oh no, and I, I like a few of the songs they use, and they don't use them well at all in Suicide Squad. No, it's just good music, which is like, a again, it points to this, the state of cinema, where there's some, maybe it's actually still here on my list. 
no, we'll, we'll, we'll just focus on Cruella. But I will watch a movie fairly entertained if I'm like, oh, I like this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, another thing a- that kind of deterred me is I saw the clip online of the dogs pushing the mom <laughs> off of the railing. Yeah. I, I was like, well, <laughs> Yeah. No, the, <laughs> the biggest problem with the movie is actually the IP. So if this hadn't mm-hmm. been a Cruella movie, if it had just been like insane fashion designer, art deco stylizing, I would have been 100% on board for this movie. And then- Yeah, I probably would totally enjoy that. More. Like the Devil Wears Prada, a dark Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, yeah, but like a, a chippier, you know what I mean? Like a fantasy Devil Wears Prada. I gotcha. Yeah. With uh, some mystical magic in it and shit. Like I, I'm guessing there's magic in it because Cruella fucking- snaps her fingers and she's in a different dress right no that i that's more related to her prowess as a designer and her effect on um her counterpart which is emma it's the battle of emma thompson thank you Mm -hmm. Uh, i was really disappointed that this movie wasn't called dalmatians emma versus emma but and uh, that also seems like like giving a backstory for why Cruella hates Dalmatians isn't needed. She just seems like a woman that hates all animals. Like she. Backstories are never needed. This is something yeah. I, I say a lot. And <laughs> one of the best notes I've ever gotten was start later, start mm-hmm. your scene later, start your story later. You uh-huh. got to get forward in this. thing. <laughs> and so that's not like necessarily always true but it's as close to a hard and fast rule as I've ever gotten in any kind of writing. Just mm-hmm. take the first few sentences of whatever you wrote and straight up delete them. And then just jump into where you are kind of in the flow. Anyways, prequels like suck because they, you know, they remove the dramatic tension. Obviously we know where this story is going, but the mm-hmm. biggest problem is that we, yeah, we need to start later. We need to get into the action. We shouldn't be working backwards from here. It's just as, dramatically inert you know and so when i can divorce myself from it being a 101 dalmatians ip thing i really really loved it and then when it smacks you in the face with it being a disney thing i'm a little exhausted but it's an achievement because there's plenty of that stuff and the movie still really works pretty well okay cool yeah i'm definitely gonna see it yeah it's worth it I, i enjoyed i enjoyed it quite a bit so speaking of movies that I did not enjoy, caught up with Infinite, the Mark Wahlberg movie from, it, it just came out. That must be the Mark Wahlberg trailer I keep skipping. Yeah, that's the right decision. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Jason Manzukis is in this movie and I still what? hate it. What the fuck? Yeah. He's not good at all? No, he's he's good, and he seems to understand the movie that he's in. Is it a comedy? No, 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 no. It's a, <laughs> Jason Manzoukas is in this movie the way that he's in John Wick Part 3 or whatever yeah. that, you know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. He shows up for like a few scenes as a, a crazy guy who's vitally important to the plot, and he's doing his crazy guy thing. It's a blast. And the action set pieces are fine, the real, and there's a, a lot of sins in this movie. I, a lot of people are very upset about the way it depicts. You know, um, do you remember the criticism about 
altered carbon where it was like, why are we putting white guys on Asian people? Can't we just have like Asian reincarnated people? <laughs> I didn't hear that, but it makes sense. Yes. There's a, a strand of that going through this movie, uh, <laughs> which is certainly worth criticizing. For me, the thing that is like, I, I could not bear is the middle, the second act, the whole middle, like, I'm trying not to exaggerate, bro, but it's solidly 20 minutes. And I felt like it was 40 minutes straight up where they're just in this one room in the armory talking about how they have to go do the third act. And it's interminable. I could not believe how much nothing is in this movie. Yeah, that does not sound like a fun one to watch. Skip it. Don't want to. All right. Here's one I liked a little bit more. I saw In the Heights. I did watch In the Heights as well. What'd you think? Um, I enjoyed it. I don't really care for the music of In the Heights. I've listened to it before. It's just, it's kind of a mismatch of songs for me. Uh, but I did like the spectacle of the movie. I love the uh, spectacle of the movie. I think the direction is the single strongest aspect of the film. Yeah, to your absolutely. point about the the kind of mishmash of the soundtrack, at a certain point when the, um, is it right before they get to the pool? But they're doing uh, Best Alliance in Hip Hop. The Black Star, Talib, and Most Def. It's just like, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. That's what Lin-Manuel Miranda fucking does. That's what he No, it's not. No, that's what he gets credit for. Now I'm going to rant and rave. I just wagged my finger so furiously at this screen. That's what Lin-Manuel Miranda does. No, it's not. What Lin-Manuel Miranda does is fucking second grade. The cat has a bat and it's sat on the flat bullshit ass nothing rhymes i think he's a fucking hack i said it he wrote in the heights and the music is the worst part of that movie oh, yeah yeah but hamilton is like legit good music i don't love hamilton either man i know i'm in the minority here i saw it on what was it disney plus right i didn't get to see it on stage so mm. maybe i didn't get the full experience but i watched when it came out in, you know, the, the pandemic releases of 2020. And I just was like, oh, that's what people are freaking out about? I, I just think it's clever how he was able to wrap a whole story about Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, there's a few things he took liberty with in there, but. But why is that clever? Like there's, it, the thing that drives me crazy about this is that he's getting credit for something that has been done so many times before that has been done so much better than he has ever done it. The one Not that hip hop in Broadway plays, though. Let's talk about Carmen, a hip hopera. That wasn't a Broadway play, bro. No, that it was, was on MTV. <laughs> okay, so he and, brought it to Broadway. What? And I actually rewatched some scenes from that not too long ago. It's not great. It, I'm not here it, to defend Carmen, great. a hip hopera. Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is that he's getting a lot of credit for being this genius creator who's done something that nobody could have ever imagined. And it's like, Number one, your shit sucks. You're a fucking whack lyricist. Number two, you're 20 years behind the curve, bro. I'm done. I'm just not a huge fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda. That's all I got about this. No, that's not all I have. There's a number of excellent performances. And I really think the direction is like very, very enjoyable, if not high level. One of There's the only one part of the directing I did not like and I thought was really stupid. Oh, what do you got? I, I didn't like the mixture of 
like the two moments like when the main character walks across like a storm drain and it yes. spins like a record hated that i thought that was two dumb. thumbs up no i hated that a lot and then i also hated Corey hawkins and the girl on the side of the building out of nowhere and that cgi looked fucking awful there's it a lot of bad cgi in it actually yeah but, and the color uh, grading is really intense yeah yeah a lot of heavy forefront lighting and uh but like yeah, I, that that was like the least of my problems i just didn't like all of a sudden jumping out of reality yeah it's a musical but like going from like two characters i i guess if it looked better i might have enjoyed it more but them on the wall did not look good to me and i didn't really enjoy their dance sequence <clears throat> yeah i didn't love a lot of the choreography in the movie at all i don't think there's <laughs> great dancing in really i mean there's not bad dancing it's, not no, bad it's just it's basic dancing like it's basic latin dancing that i've seen many times yeah fair enough and that's that's fine if it's really well executed um yeah, yeah the apartment wall you know walking up the exterior of the building was uh-huh. a, i found it a little punchy but i'm okay with that i think and so like, i drawing that, i get the the sentive behind it i just i think what i i, I just like hit my eyes badly. I was like, this doesn't look good. Therefore, I don't yeah. want to look at it. Yeah, it's ugly as sin. That's for sure. But the, <laughs> the reason I appreciate it is because so many musicals try and balance a real world with this fantastical space that we exist within in a musical universe. And that mm-hmm. never plays. So yeah, most when, of the time it really doesn't. No. It, and when, so when we step on gum and do a little scratch on a man cover lid, I'm like, oh, okay, we're in a fantasy world. I'm happy to be here. I actually well, thought that not, worked really well, But you're not in a fantasy world. You you're, absolutely you know. are in a fantasy world. The whole device of the movie is that he is telling a fairy tale. When we start the no, film- he's telling his story from inside of his shop and how Washington Heights is his home. Then why is he framed on an island and then that melts away, right? We have to take away the fantasy and land it in the reality. I just don't see how that's fantasy, though. It's his fantasy. Like that's- But I mean, it was his fantasy to own the island, therefore making us, the audience, think he is on this island. But the characters know they're not on that island. They know they're in that convenience store just with a wall of waves and a beach on there. Right, but we don't know that until the reveal. As he, like, I mean, I start, he's dancing I, I, around I with the lottery stories. ticket, you're sort of like, shit, maybe he just fucks off and buys the island. Good for him. <laughs> uh, but he does purchase, like, I'm it's, sorry, it's been, uh, he purchases the property, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what he was doing. He was like, oh, I'm going to go over there. But then everyone was giving him shit. I was in and out of it at certain parts. Um, eh, okay. Yeah, yeah, meh. <laughs> okay one last one and then we can talk about uh boys on the side actually speaking of boys caught up with baby boy oh i love baby boy a lot like i'm not joking a lot a lot so this was the first time view for me oh wow yeah that's a good first time watch it was man it was like a distractingly good first time watch i Mm. was engrossed with the movie and i um kind of found some affinity for tyrese the thing that i think 
the movie succeeds most in is sort of like expressionism in the way that the the language of cinema works against the language of humanity is really, really breathtaking. And so the like transposition of characters and these sort of um, possible futures that characters run through when they're trying to make decisions, I thought that was really, really at least expressive, if not great, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I like, oh, it, it might be bad to say this, but I think Baby Boy is better than Boys in the Hood. Like, I think Baby Boy is John Singleton's kind of, like, last really good movie, I think. After that, he did, like, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Abduction, and a bunch of, like, random dumb ones. But Baby Boy has, just like Boys in the Hood, has so much heart and genuinely good writing. Yeah. Uh, Bing Reigns in Baby Boy, dude, when him and Tyrese together holy fuck man uh, I'll say it Tyrese is a good actor in that movie <laughs> he is I think he's just slightly out of his depth set turn but he is That's a good fair. actor in this movie and he's a good actor in the fast movies and Tyrese is a good actor that's the conclusion there yep I saw last night on Apple TV there is a new movie with Tyrese wait for it John Malkovich and it has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I gotta see this. <laughs> yeah, I watched the trailer. I was like, okay, I mean, it looks very, like, basic. It doesn't seem like why it would be a 0%. Can't believe it didn't make our list last week. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing about, the last thing I'll say about Baby Boy is that because it came out in 2001, I graduated high school in 2003. And I had not seen the movie at the time, but the... I don't know, the fashion, the language, the, the fucking vibe, man. Just the vibe yeah. of the thing was like, oh, these are people that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I feel comforted as well as like, obviously distressed and saddened by the nature of the story. But like just spending time with these characters at a time where I was really coming of age was, you know, entertaining for me. But I also was really astounded by the, sort of casual realism of his movies. And we we're mm-hmm. doing Spike Lee actually over on filmography. We just got into him. And I, I'm a big fan of most of his, well, the films that we've seen so far anyway, and the film, some of the other ones that I've seen from him. One of the things that really distracts me about Spike Lee is his sort of like insistence on using current slang. I get you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, but people don't talk like that anymore and maybe I mean, maybe in his neighborhood i've never i've never been to his part of the neighborhood fair, i mean fair enough and in the same yeah. way that i'm not qualified to discuss the the uh politics and colorism of in the heights i have no <laughs> engage with the uh you know aev of uh, sorry aav um Uh, of Spike Lee and the cast and the stories that he's trying to tell but it always just strikes my ear as like corny you know you're pushing a little hard here and Singleton movies never do that for me they they feel a little more not grounded yeah authentic in terms of just straight up the words that they're saying to each other hold on one sec yeah sure thing Okay. 
sorry. No worries. Okay. Uh, yes, I completely agree with you. And I want to uh, just give a shout out to Taraji for Baby Boy, one of her best performances, and AJ Johnson, who plays Tyrese's mom in the movie. She great. is great. I would love to see her in more stuff. Totally. Totally. Yeah, there's yeah. great performances all throughout. And then, yeah. So I really, really was like, oh, is this movie made for me? Clearly it's not, but I just can't stop watching it. Oh, fuck. I'm totally going to rewatch Baby Boy here soon. I, I am too. I'm telling <laughs> you. It might have come up to just like one of my favorite movies. I, I like, I don't want to reveal too much about myself, but like, I, man, again, some of the very specific things that were said about like which sets people were claiming and the history that they came from, that's stuff that movies get wrong a lot. And it's stuff from personal history that I know this movie got fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, and just the writing of the adolescent and arrested development that um, uh, Jody is going through is- totally. Man, it's just so well done. You've never seen, I, I, I try to tell everyone to see this movie. You've never seen anything like it. No, I, I was not prepared for that opening sequence and for it to like, baby. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and for it to be so thematically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Connected. It just is a, a thorough, thorough movie. It's a little bit of a, little bit of a crazy ass movie, yeah. <laughs> but man, it really worked for me. Fucking A. That's awesome. Yeah. Fucking A. So, should we talk about Boys on the Side? Let's do it. Honestly, uh, I'm going to say this right now. I don't have any notes for this movie because I was genuinely so just like into the story that yeah. I just, and I'd never seen it. So, I just didn't take notes. Like, I thought this was a really sweet movie. Uh, mm. Very much of the 90s. Very much of the 90s. <laughs> It's a first time watch for me also. Uh, so I was, you know, had no expectations, wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. But from the opening scene, when Whoopi's in the bar singing uh, Janis Joplin, she's singing one of the bigger, uh, like, holding company songs, right? Um, uh, the song, I can't remember what the song is. It doesn't matter. I watched it. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't matter. But if I walked into a bar and she was singing, I would just be like, oh, this is the best day of my life. And so I, I had to look it up and Whoopi sings in this movie. That's her voice. That's her voice? Fucking yeah. A. Yeah. That's her. Fucking A. I love Whoopi, man. I, I think this is, I, I haven't seen them all, but I loved her in this movie. And it's, I think it's one of her best, if not her very best. There's something so centered in her character that, uh -huh. that that's her energy right Whoopi is like one of the most confident people on the planet definitely like I, I would say this is probably one of her best roles where it's really like close to her like right. she it's kind of playing herself in a way but like color purple is probably like her biggest leading role sure. where she truly got to like hand over something that no one's ever seen from her sure sure uh and just to be fair Guinan is obviously Star Trek guys. Any, any, all right. Yeah, first black woman on TV, right? Oh no, that was in. The, <laughs> that was uh, Star Trek did have the first uh, black woman on TV though, and that was from the original series. Yeah, right? Lieutenant Uhura, whose name yeah, I now yeah, have yeah. to look up so that I can say her actual name. Yeah, I know <laughs> because she was 
one of, if not the very first uh, black woman on TV. Latoya. Oh my God, what is her fucking name? Oh, you're talking about Zoe Saldana, obviously. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, where, I have the character's name. Yeah, oh, it's Natoya. Michelle Nichols. There it is. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I suppose that's like kind of following in that that trend, right? Is we got to get a a competent person in in the female role in the Star Trek thing, mm -hmm. right? And <clears throat> Mary Louise Parker was actually kind of unrecognizable to me. I have just the note Mary Louise Parker two exclamation points. <laughs> She's fantastic in this movie. She's not unrecognizable, but she really is doing the like, you know what's coming to my mind right now is- um, I guess it was the hair, because I've only seen her with long, dark hair. Like I think of her in weed. Yeah, and it's usually wavier and- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in like um, Fried Green Tomatoes, she's got the kind of like long, wavy. Yeah, that's which, her look for sure. Which you could kind of compare this movie a little bit to fucking Fried Green Tomatoes, Steel Magnolia. Roger Ebert sure did. Did he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he made the point that it was sort of its own thing, but it has some stuff in common with things like Fried Green Tomatoes or Thelma and Louise. Um, Absolutely Thelma and the fucking Louise, dude. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a little comedy, and there's women trying to escape the... Whatever. But there's nothing like Thelma and Louise. That is one of the best movies ever. I was thinking about this, man. Uh, brief sidetrack, but I think Thelma and Louise is Ridley Scott's best movie. I'm... Dude, I'll take it. I, I've I watched hope, it times this year. <laughs> oh, nice. I haven't yeah. seen it in a few years, but I just was blown away by it. And I have a lot of respect for Alien, but I don't love it the way that a lot of people do. I, I love Alien. It's a great suspense tension builder, but the cast of Thelma and Louise is so <laughs> fucking good. Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon are two of the greatest on-screen leads ever. I could watch them any day. It doesn't get much better than that. And you got fucking young Brad Pitt just being hilarious. Agreed. Uh, but to return to Mary Louise Parker real quick, the, the thing that makes her not unrecognizable, but she is giving a physical performance. She's gaunt, she's pale, she's suffering from her disease, right? Mm -hmm. And it reminded me in contrast of uh, Steel Magnolias, where Julia Roberts is so terrible at playing a diseased person that it just is like only punching you in the face with it or completely ignored. And Mary Louise Parker looks sick the whole time, you know, uh -huh. and is acting frail. And she's just, she's just <laughs> I'll a great come actor. to the defense for Julia Roberts. Don't. Because that's still a very emotional part, though. It is. I think it's a very emotional part in the script and in the, was a, it's a novel adaptation, right? Um, Ooh, I don't know. I guess Probably. I don't know either, but I, that moment's more impactful on the page than it is on the screen because Julia Roberts is bad at acting. Sorry. I like her in a few movies. I like her in Aaron Brockovich, um, yeah. which is very much a movie that is trading on her energy. Right. And so she's incredibly well cast and well applied in that movie. Outside of that, the only movie that I really liked her in was um, 
what's the George Clooney, uh, Charlie Kaufman, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? Hmm. That one's a mixed bag of a movie too, though. I like that one more than most people. Okay. Um, yeah. I think you're in, uh, I mean, Pretty Woman, like, she's pretty good. It's one of her first roles. Um, I love Stepmom, but that's also got Susan Sarandon, so maybe that's a reason. I haven't seen Stepmom, but maybe we'll get around to it. Uh, yeah, we totally fucking should. This feels like uh, an 98, right? 98, yep. And then uh, Mystic Pizza, I really like. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, Mystic Pizza is like Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee yeah, Curtis. You've got, and... you got a big cast with you. You got, um, oh, what's her name? Oh, man. Uh, oh, that's going to bother me. Fuck me. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much. What, you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of every single film that was ever made? Not, <laughs> I tried to, I tried to. Uh, Annabeth Gish. Oh, I love Annabeth Gish, man. Yeah. She's so good in, um, like, oh, never mind. I'm thinking of somebody else. No, am I? No, no, no. The, um, all the Ryan Murphy stuff, right? Um, I don't know. I don't think she's in um, Ryan Murphy stuff. I'm, no, I know who am I thinking of? Beautiful Girls. And um, she's in Double Jeopardy. She sure is in Double Jeopardy. <laughs> oh, man. I, this is a, uh, I also don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of every movie ever made. I'm thinking of somebody else. Who is the, uh, Oh, uh, Lily Rabb is actually who I'm thinking of. Not Lily Taylor from Mystic Pizza? No, Lily Rabb. Okay. Or Rabe, maybe. She's the one who's in a lot of the Ryan Murphy stuff. And she's actually, she's a tremendous actor. Uh, whatever. That's not the point of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, back to Boys on the Side. Back Fucking. to Boys on the Side. And we haven't mentioned the third in the, in, the, in the lead of women, and that would be Drew Barrymore. I think there's a reason for that. So that's my kind of problem with the movies not Barrymore she's good it's a story problem I think this movie is better without her arc I don't need the conflict the the manufactured conflict of the murder yeah. I don't she need- does have a whole lot going on and then the yeah murder of the not they didn't murder him he fucking gets up and falls onto the bat but uh they- and then, then the whole Matthew McConaughey side of the story like they definitely write a lot more for McConaughey or for like Drew Barrymore's character I feel and she's not really the lead no she's the plot yeah and and that's the problem is that I don't need any of that plot to follow Whoopi and Mary Louise Parker around on this story I think they have such yeah. an incredible chemistry and you the story can take out you can take out that death I think you I think you can take out the death I think you can take out Drew Barrymore and this movie gets better Straight up. Hmm. Yeah, then you'd have to do some reworking of the ending a little bit, but like, yeah, that's totally possible. Yeah, it's just a, a smaller, kind of more quiet movie, you know? Yeah. I think it would be a little more honest to the stakes of the movie. But then you would really have to change the title. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, you just call it... Um, Road Whoopi trip and Louise. Whoopi and Louise. Um, Where's that movie? What's going on here? Are you listening, Hollywood? 
Um, but uh, no, I see what you're saying though. I do like and Drew Barrymore is good, but it is just the writing of her character. I think that where it, it just that wasn't the original piece. Like it, it, um, it doesn't feel like it. I, I have a note here that is the the script is so ascorbic and mean, but hilarious. And mm-hmm. Whoopi can do that, and Mary Louise Parker can do that. And it's before Drew Barrymore is introduced that I wrote this note and I had to stop typing being like, oh, I don't know if Drew Barrymore can do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Drew Barrymore. I'm a fan of Drew Barrymore. You know, Drew Barrymore in rom-coms is like a catnip, you know, I just will keep watching them. But I, that's not her thing, right? That's not the thing that she does. It's not what she's known for. I, I'm sure she's capable of it, but that's not the energy that she's bringing to this performance either. And so there's a little bit of like a kind of different colored script pages, you know, like a, a director actor disparity, whatever you want to blame it on. There's, there's something just a little out of tone every time Drew Barrymore is on screen. Could it just be Don Roos's writing? Let's talk Don Roos. Yeah. Cause he's, he's got a mixed bag of movies too. Like people either really like his films or they really don't. So what do we got? What's on the list there? Uh, the first one that I was introduced to was The Opposite of Sex, <laughs> which came a few years after this. Like, right. I didn't, I remember seeing that as a kid and just really liking Lisa Kudrow in it. I wasn't, and, and Christina Ricci, I, 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 the movie never stuck in my head until I saw it again in high school. But Happy Endings would be like the one where I was like, oh, hmm, that was an interesting movie. And then I rewatched Opposite of Sex because I was learning who Don Ruse was. Right. And Happy Endings is, I haven't seen that one in years, but again, Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> I mean, she loves him some Lisa. I do love Lisa Kudrow. I think she's uh, really funny and really talented. I Yeah, I'm a, a big Lisa Kudrow fan. Don't get me wrong. But he also wrote Marley and Me. Yes, he did. Um, don't hold that against him. He adapted I, it. Oh, okay, fair enough. All right, Don Roos. If you're taking your, oh, I also, I haven't seen this one yet, but it's also an adaptation. And it just has one of those titles that like, so y'all thought that was whatever. Do you remember, I'm saying too many things at once. The movie is called The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Whoa, no. Do you remember books like Tortilla Soup or after Tortilla Soup, there was a spat of imitations of just like weird food name novels. It was like, my mother's uh, barbecue pork makes me cry. (laughs) (laughs) And so the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Just 2018. Yeah, and starring Lily James, who I think is Ah. our next big movie star, but. We'll see, she's about to play Pamela Anderson. Have you seen that? I saw those. Yeah, she looks spot on. Shocking. Yeah, Sebastian Stan doesn't have the height of Tommy Lee. Um, Fair. But uh, Seth Rogen looked great. I cannot wait to see. Because that whole story is genuinely nuts on how that guy stole the the sex tape. Oh, okay. It, it, yeah, this guy... Uh, was owed money by Tommy Lee and he found those tapes like while no one was home and uh, he was doing some work and he knew that they were there so he went back and snuck into the house and apparently like like legit was no one was home and he was like 
crawling on the lawn like he uh was trying to sneak into some like security place and he broke in and stole the tape do you remember the sequence from i tanya when they're trying to like get out of the the facility yes that's Which, what just popped i up. liked i tanya i, I just like i tanya a lot a better cgi face uh, fair enough yeah fair enough uh but i i'm curious about this uh guernsey literary potato and pete peel pie society <laughs> i have no interest in seeing that movie ever are you sure i mean well just because i want to watch all of the movies so some sunday afternoon i'll put it on but it, it's really a title thing and there, all right this is a bit of a rant but we just talked about one of them those who wish you dead is a terrible title for a movie yeah without remorse also and doesn't it doesn't work for that movie is meaningless in context yeah, I, of the film they don't wish her dead. They keep trying to let them go. What are we talking about? Okay, see, now you're proving my point with why I didn't really care for those who wish me dead. It's an entertaining watch, but Fair. it's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving it a five stars. But <laughs> it's a solid three. <clears throat> That's uh, fair. Speaking of bullshit scripting nonsense, she and back to Drew Barrymore being the problem in this movie where she just is like, oh, I will confess my murder to a police officer. Uh-huh. And I, I take your point. Okay, he fell on the bat. After they hit him with a bat and tied him up to the chair, I'm actually a little more on the prosecutor's side of this thing where it's like, no, you murdered that man. I, I, you did it in self... Uh, sorry, murder is maybe not the right word. You did kill that man. It was yes, self-defense, but- and he had it coming, but... But what you did, uh, but you don't want Whoopi to go to prison. I, mean, I don't I want any of them to go to prison. And this is not the story that the movie's trying to tell. And at, at that point, certainly, and even in our current world, I'm not on the side of any you know, law enforcement agencies who would be responsible yeah. for making the right decision there. But did dude clearly attacked you and you have several witnesses who are like this guy's out of his mind just mm-hmm. call the cops i yep. and then yep. the movie doesn't happen so that's a fucking problem you know uh another thing where it felt dated in the courtroom was when the the fucking prosecutor was being like has whoopee on the stand and he's like there's nothing uh how would you describe your uh your, your relationship with Helena? And she's like, "We're friends." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, there's nothing more, uh, you know, uh, like a relationship going on there." What? No, she's my friend. <laughs> yeah, and I like that from Whoopi. I like all of Whoopi's. Just like, what the fuck are you talking about, asshole? No, that's not how reality works. Constantly through this movie, and I really dig that vibe. The part where I'll draw back a little bit from that is that it does seem to be one of the themes that the movie is interested in is whether lesbians can be friends with women which they can right it just is like not even a conversation like, to be had I these days be friends with a gay guy that's right fucking insane. <laughs> it's a stupid thing to even ask but in 1995 it's still a stupid thing to ask but it's the it stupid is. thing that a lot of the world was asking Mm-hmm. And what also in the 90s, which the movie touches on a little bit with Whoopi's HIV thing, but like 80s and 90s was that pe- that pinnacle of HIV fear, a- the AIDS fear. And 
Uh, so I guess that does fit for the time in, in the courtroom and being asked all those questions. But like, I hate it. I hate it. Oh, because... I hate it too. And the part that really like <laughs> sort of grinded on me, ground on me was, you know, what grinds my gears, America. My was, but he, he calls her gay several times. And that felt really just like outdated where even if you wanted to make that same point, even six years later, he would have said lesbian, you know? Mm. And so that it's really attacking and really like kind of um, ignorant or purposefully misunderstanding in a way that's good of the character. But I was sort of like, yeah, ah, you know, yeah. quickly about. <laughs> also speaking of nineties and to take it in a much lighter direction, Drew Barrymore is styled like she's the lead singer of 10,000 maniacs or letters from Cleo or some shit. Her hair is just like the the hair looks like right before she made um home fries. Totally. That movie written by Vince Gilligan. Yep. Even though that might be a wig in that movie cuz that's like a super curly moppy hair. I don't know, but man. It, it looks like right before she went to go film that. I'm giving DB credit for the hair. She's got one hell of a head of hair. Yes, she does. Um, Vince Gilligan wrote Home Fries? Vince Gilligan wrote Home Fries. So next week, we're doing Home Fries. <laughs> we'll add it to the list. I mean, seriously, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's got a pretty big cast, too. Also, speaking of 90s stuff, it's really cool how the nurse at the hospital just, it's got to be pre-HIPAA because she's just like, oh, you didn't know your friend had AIDS? Yeah. Wait a second. Seriously. Just exposing everyone's business. Right. <laughs> uh, and to round out the like 90s um, LGBTQIA plus sphere, there are two songs with the Indigo Girls on screen in this movie. Yes, and there are. Neither of them are closer I am to find. So credit to the <laughs> filmmakers. <laughs> Oh man. Uh but overall, this movie's worth the watch. It absolutely is. I, I it certainly would have been I, I don't know groundbreaking but momentous at the time. It had a reputation and even today I think it's totally worth watching. Yeah, if, absolutely. It yeah. was a good watch. I I dug it. I got a couple of more notes here. Do you got anything else? No, I'm good. Go ahead, do it. Okay, let me run down them. Uh Gede Watanabe is in this movie. Mm -hmm. he's the mover the, the mover yeah he moves the piano when she's still in new york mm -hmm. but oh i did have one more note i'm sorry i cut you off go ahead i missed it just that uh you know he's been in a ton of stuff and is a very recognizable face but like to this day in life when somebody does something in front of me that is shockingly stupid his voice goes off in my head from uhf you so stupid! I just want to scream it at people, but that's not appropriate. It's not. Nope. Um, um, my my really only note that I did take was Matthew McConaughey's name, Abe Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. He cannot tell a lie. He cannot. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Should we talk a little McConaughey? He's all right in here. He's got a good performance. He's a good guy. He's trying to do the right thing, right? Do the right thing. Yeah, he's he's in love with DB. 
and he's interpersonal responsibility. I, I dig that. He wants to raise her baby. He's taking responsibility. Yeah, man. Good for Good him. God. Uh, the biggest laugh I got out of this movie was the Norteño band who have no enthusiasm for the music they're playing uh-huh. at all. And I have never seen a Norteño that's not full of, yeah, yeah, you know, just like crazy energy. And these guys are just like, I do not give a fuck about this at all. I can't believe nope. I'm here. But the music is so intense. It's, I laughed heartily. Okay, I have one more light note and then two more heavy notes. Where do you want to go? You take the lead. Let's do the light one because it's little. Is Niecy Nash in this movie? No. That's not her? That's, was it her? The, the woman at the diner, right? Yeah, that's not Niecy Nash. Hold on, I'm on IMDb right now. Let's Hold take a little that. look because... That's another one that I have an exclamation point behind it where I was just like, what the Oh fuck? my God, Niecy Nash, woman in diner. Boom. <laughs> yeah, it's got a great cast, man. I just love the parallel of that. Was she the woman in the diner? <laughs> yeah, woman in diner. Also, James Remar deserves a shout out. Yes. Um, okay, so here's the, la- the stuff I want to finish on uh, is just a note about... I, again, I'm out of my depth here, but I think it's important to note that it, the medical treatment and the prognosis for people that are HIV positive is so positive, for lack of a better term. It, the medicine is incredible these days. Mm-hmm. And there's people that are fucking living strong off yeah. of the medicine. No, I, the, the incredible stat is that you are more likely to catch HIV from somebody who has been untested than you are to catch HIV from somebody who is positive mm-hmm. and is undergoing treatment, even without prophylaxis. That's how good the medicine is now. And with the world that we live in uh, post-COVID, mRNA vaccines are starting to get real traction. And it's good news. It's just really good news for a whole lot of people. Absolutely. And to finish that on a, a more positive note, if you haven't seen it already, there was a show out of the UK this last year called It's a Sin. I might have talked to you about it. Uh, it. It's one of those UK shows, so it's like six episodes, and uh-huh. it covers a large swath of time. So each episode is a year, right? And it's like 1982, 1987, 1993, kind of going forward. And it just tracks this group of friends um, some of them are gay, some of them are straight, some of them are allies, and it, incredible performances, beautiful photography, uh, just such raw storytelling. And the, the, for me, the title of the show comes from this monologue towards the end of the series where one of the, our, our lead succumbs to the virus. And he says something like, I just want you to know how much fun I had. And like, obviously this is a a shit situation, but people were living life and celebrating and and just having the best time that they could. And Hmm. there's a real sharp inversion of like the, the biblical sin of homosexuality and just the like, oh my God, I'm having so much fun. It's a sin. You can't even believe how alive I am right now. And the show deals really well with that dichotomy. It's good. Very, very, very good. Very interesting. I have it right here. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, give it a go. 
So that's it's on HBO Max here. So that's good. Nice. Put it on. So I liked Boys on the Side. <clears throat> I did too. Yeah. Um, like like I said, it was a really easy watch. Like there's shit that pisses me off in it, but like really easy movie to watch. Very sweet. Great performances from everyone. Uh, like you said, I'd be curious to see the movie without Drew Barrymore's character and just see if that could sustain itself. I, I have no doubt, you know. Especially with two great leads like that, too. And the story is very compelling. And once you get uh, Mary Louise Parker's mom in the mix, that could, like, just that sort of end of the second act, beginning of the third act, you could stretch that out into a yeah. whole character study. That's it, not what this movie is trying to do necessarily, but I, I think there's more than enough here to excise some of the the plotty stuff. Yeah, it, like it it feels like it could even be a play. Like, yeah, they are moving around a lot, but it's like you can easily just you could do that on stage and have just people talking as well. Like, I don't know. There, it's very interesting to. Uh, think about it in terms of like Whoopi and Mary Louise would just be on stage together doing this as a play like oh, I don't know I'm trying to think of an example because uh, I know there's something on the top of my head that it's kind of like it and I just can't think of it Fuck. Uh. Uh, the one that's coming to my mind is a, a show I can't imagine anybody's seen which is called 10 Years Apart and it was technically a one-man show but it's a guy who is playing himself and his older brother, or maybe he's the older brother and he's playing his younger brother who is 10 years apart. Uh -huh. and it is also a road show and uh, has some family definite kind of thing and a few different set pieces, but the guy who performed it was a really talented actor. So instead of there being set pieces, there's just like minimal props. So there's a fight in the grocery store and he's just like holding a can of soup through the scene. Or when they're driving on the road, he's just sitting in a chair, not even with the steering wheel. He's just literally sitting in a chair. <laughs> Anyways, hmm. so that pops into my head. But other than that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I definitely think we're both on the same page and saying that uh, people should give boys on the side a watch. Two thumbs up. Yeah.